everyone. This is Amanda Borchel Dan. And I'm Jessica Steinberg, your host for Times Will Tell, a weekly podcast from the Times of Israel. Hello, Times Will Tell listeners. It's Jessica Steinberg. And this week, join me as I speak to Tova Dagan and Yoni Nuriel, two teachers, one of high schoolers, the other of middle schoolers, as they both prepare for Israel's new school year that aims to begin September 1. It may not have because of the annual threats of a teacher strike as teachers battle for better conditions. That's the National Teachers Union. But we will discuss their outlook on Israeli teaching and their own experiences in their classrooms. Tova Dagan is a homeroom teacher and English teacher at Keshet, a dual religious and secular school in Jerusalem. Yoni is a homeroom teacher for now 8th graders at Hartman, a religious Orthodox school for boys in Jerusalem with a dedication to tradition and tolerance. Welcome to Tova Dagan and Yoni Nuriel. Happy to have you with us. So as we said in our introduction, I'm here with Yoni Nuriel and Tova Dagan, two teachers in Jerusalem, and they're going to tell us a little bit about their schools and what they teach and what school looks like in 2022. Yoni, can we get started with you? Tell us a little bit about where you teach, which we've already mentioned is Hartman, the Hartman School, and what you teach and who you teach. So yeah, I teach in the Hartman Middle School, um, the boys' school. I teach, this year I'm teaching 8th grade. Last year I taught my same class in 7th grade. Uh, I teach a few subjects. I teach uh, Gemara and Chumash, Navi, uh, literature, and um, a course that Hartman offers called Migdar, gender. Um, we also have Shat uh, Chinuch. There's a, there's a special hour where there's no specific subject that's delineated, and whatever happens that week, we talk about, for example, report cards or just an activity that the students come up with or I come up with. Those are the things that I teach. I'm just going to, just for our listeners who might not know those subjects in Hebrew, I'm going to say that you teach Talmud and uh, Torah, Bible, and Prophets, which are basically all the books of, these are all um, religious subjects because Hartman is a religious school. Tova, how about you? What do you teach and where do you teach? I teach at Keshet School in high, in uh, Jerusalem. Keshet is a school that integrates between secular and religious students, boys and girls, special education and regular education. I am an English teacher for 7th to 12th grade. And for the past four years, I was a mechanechet, an educator. But this year, I am only going to be an English teacher, um, hopefully going on maternity leave this November. Um, and so we decided, I and the school decided it makes a lot more sense for me to not uh, be a mechanechet, an educator this uh, year, but I've been doing that for the past four years in, I had one class from eighth, ninth, and 10th grade. Okay. Wow. All right. So you both are covering, you're both very busy during your days. Let's put it that way. <laughs> now, Yona, let's go back to you. Tell us a little bit how long you've been teaching. I know I happen to know here, full disclosure, by the way, that Yoni is one of my son's homeroom teacher, the teacher who has a lot of influence over his day and his education and in the best way possible. Let's put it that way. Hopefully not too much influence. Yeah, yeah no, we, we still have some influence at home. Yoni, tell us a little bit more about Hartman, what kind of school it is, because Tova did that, with that for us with Keshet. And, uh, and then let's talk a little bit about how you got into teaching and how long you've been teaching, because you didn't mention that. 
So Hartman is associated with the Hartman Institute. It was opened up by uh, the Hartman family. So uh, Hartman started out as a high school uh, in uh, a few decades ago, and then they opened up a middle school, and they opened up a girls' school. It's a uh, religious school. It's Mamlakhti Dati. Um, and uh, it is also considered Toranini Sui. Um, it's an ex- sort of, I don't know how to translate it, but experimental school, which means that it has its own uh, specific pilot programs that it um, tried out few years ago and now it's sort of like part of the institution so uh, that's because the school has its own Jewish philosophy uh, curriculum that's a bit that's different from the Misrata Chinuch curriculum and also it has a uh, uh, its own gender course which is also something that other schools don't have it's an all-boys school it's uh, it's modern orthodox progressive uh, so we attract a certain population from the Jerusalem area, a lot of students from Baca and from Katimon and Moshevah um, Germanit and places like that. Southern Jerusalem, which tends to be a more open-minded, liberal part of Jerusalem, I think we could say. I would say. <laughs> I would say it's probably one of the most left-leaning religious schools that you could find, especially in Yerushalayim, uh, in terms of religious schools. I started teaching English three years ago. I taught English for two years. Um, I didn't really enjoy teaching English that much. Uh, you and Tova can discuss that. Okay, go on. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I needed to get my foot in the door. I didn't study English in, in, in college, in Herzog College, from a bachelor's, um, because I already knew English, so I felt like it, there was no point in learning uh, English again. So, But I need to get my foot in the door, and I wanted to teach Jewish subjects, and also more subjects that I was more passionate about, like literature, Jewish philosophy. Um, so so I found a job teaching English. This past year, I um, finally was able to land a job at as a mechanech in Hartman. Um, so this is, is going to be my fourth year teaching. Tova, tell us how long you've been teaching. I'm starting my sixth year at Keshet. Give us a little bit of, I know that you're doing a different kind of teaching job this year, but maybe give us a snapshot of your, of a typical Keshet classroom or of your classroom, whichever way it makes sense to answer that question. So because I, I really have two different roles in the school, um, as a mechanechet, as a homeroom teacher, I have uh, 32 students, between 30 to 32 students in each class. Um, boys and girls, we try and do, we try and maintain a 50%, 50% classroom. It doesn't always happen as well as a 50, 50 secular Orthodox classroom, as well as a 50, 50 Ashkenazi Mizrahi classroom. We have a lot, a lot of integration to do. It doesn't always happen. Uh, reality gets in our way, but, but we do our best. And at the end of the day, we have very, very mixed heterogeneous classrooms, especially when it comes to uh, humanistic subjects such as literature, um, Bible, um, and education classes, gender classes. Um, but and 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 it's very very complicated. But we love it. Um, you can only maintain this kind of philosophy in a very small school. We only have two classes in each grade. Um, we have about four hundred and fifty students. With, from seventh to 12th grade. Um, We're a very, very intimate school. There are very few students that I don't know who they are, whether or not I'm their teacher, especially because I teach English. Right. So what are your students like then? Is there any way that you could describe them, even though you've got this big mix? Even so, could you describe what they're like? So what we have is we have liberal secular students from 
this southern Jerusalem, Baca, um, German colony. Um, we also have students that come from outside of Jerusalem, Faradumim and Nesarim mostly, um, which are settlements that are very progressive, um, mixed, mixed religious and secular wise. We have, and as well, and because we are a school that is funded by by the Jerusalem municipality, we we have to commit to providing education to students that live in the school's area. And the school is in an area that is not uh, is not secular. It's very, very traditional, very, very, very Israeli. So what we have, what we're, at the end of the day, we have a classroom that is mixed with boys, girls, religious, secular, um, Ashkenazi background and Mizrahi background, as in students that their parents are Moroccan, Persian, Kurdish, um, etc. Okay. And Yoni, what about you? It's coming from that perspective as well, a little bit of a snapshot of your classroom of how many boys, <laughs> how many now eighth grade boys? Sure, yeah, I have 27 students in my class, which is relatively small for an Israeli classroom. I've taught in the past a classroom of 37 boys, um, which gets very rowdy and very wow. loud. So yeah, uh, 27 Relative to that is small, and I'm very happy with it. Um, <laughs> they're mostly the Ashkenazi sort of uh, middle, higher class in uh, the Yerushalayim area. There, are, there are some people that don't fit into that category. That's mostly the that's the general population. That's the stereotype also of Hartman. Right, right, very much so. Now, I'm going to ask a question to both of you. So, you've both been teaching before COVID, and now. You know, we're not really post-COVID, but we're getting there, perhaps. Uh, There's a lot of talk about that kids are different now, especially the ages that you're teaching. These are kids who were in the school system for quite a few years before the pandemic hit. And then they've had all these years of out of school, online, lots of screens. There's a lot of talk about the fact that kids have a harder time focusing in the classroom. Curious about what your experience has been, both your experience last year and as you approach this new year, how you're heading into it, knowing what you know from last year and knowing what you know from the last two, two and a half years, wherever we are in this pandemic. I'm actually going to start with the advantages um, that, that COVID uh, provided. <laughs> I happen to be a teacher that made a lemonade out of lemons. Um, it was a very, very difficult time being a homeroom teacher. Um, there were a lot, a lot of hardships, but actually at the end of the day, um, I found that the, the, the harsh reality of being sent home and working on computers uh, provided a lot of learning opportunities, a lot of very interesting challenges that, that we were able to overcome together. I taught a a class that I taught a class from middle of eighth grade till the end of ninth grade, pretty much majorly from home, from Zoom. It was crazy. Um, And it's a crazy age because I have I have teenagers that are really growing up, you know, in front of the screen. So there are two there. There are two major uh, camps here. There's the social piece of it. Totally. Which totally problematic. Students need to be with other students. Students need to be face to face. I'm a huge believer in human interaction. 
Um, there's no, you can't replace that. There's no such thing, but, but learning and, and education and having them do uh, more individual task-based assignments and, and really seeing what they can do without any, pretty much no help. Um, it was a very interesting challenge. And some students really, really came out of it more responsible, more um, independent, um, understanding that really their, their future is, is, is dependent on them and how much they do. And the students that weren't able to really accept that, that, that they need to be uh, in the major role, um, really students that, that we, we learned that they have learning disabilities, that they have non, their, their homes are dysfunctional, um, they have emotional issues that really came out. So obviously, COVID was a, was a very, very difficult time. It wasn't something that any, any educator, any student would have chosen, you know, to be in, but, but there were a lot as, as a, as a, as a person who enjoys, you know, looking from the side and, and trying to see what, what came out of it. Very, very interesting things came out of it. I have to say that coming back from COVID, I, I'm very open with, uh, with criticism to, the Ministry of Education in general, coming back from COVID, no one um, addressed the social issues, the, 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 the understanding that we need to bridge, uh, we need to create an emotional, social, uh, a psychological bridge between the time that we had students sitting at home without any uh, supervision, without any social interaction to the whole, oh, okay, we're back. Everything's great. Not everything is great. You know, nothing was addressed. I have so much criticism towards that. Extremely frustrated as an educator, as a teacher, as a human being, seeing that, that, that the idea, and it's kind of a, um, a mirror for Israeli attitude of, yeah, everything will be okay. It'll be fine. No, it won't. And uh, students that were in seventh, eighth, ninth grade during COVID are still uh, dealing with the social, with the implications of and consequences of COVID today, 100%. A lot of fallout. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, teacher Yoni Nuriel will tell us about teaching his class as they entered seventh grade last year, post-COVID lockdowns. Shalom, dear listeners. This is Daniil Hartman. And I'm Yossi Klein Halevi. Together we host the podcast For Heaven's Sake from the Shalom Hartman Institute. These have been some of the most challenging days for me personally, for Israel, and for the Jewish people. And one of the ways in which I've gotten through this is that I found solace and meaning through discussions with my dear friend and study partner, Daniil Hartman. And I hope that the Times of Israel listeners will join us as we continue to tackle the pressing questions facing the Jewish people here at For Heaven's Sake, which has become the number one Judaism podcast. Well, Daniil, I'd also like to recommend the Identity Crisis podcast hosted by our colleague and friend Yehuda Kurtzer. It's a series of fantastic conversations with leading figures in Jewish life, thought, and culture. You know, for decades, the Hartman Institute has been a preeminent destination for Jewish ideas and learning. Now you can access Hartman Ideas on these chart-topping podcasts at shalomhartman.org forward slash podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be privileged to help guide you through these challenging and even unsettling times. 
Hey, podcast listeners. As you know, Israeli cooking is taking the world by storm. Now here's your chance to join in. The Times of Israel is excited to present our new virtual cooking series, Bete Avon, where expert chefs show you how to make classic and modern Israeli dishes. After you join the Times of Israel community, you'll have the opportunity to ask live questions to a series of well-known chefs such as Susie Fishbein and the Challah Prince. Can't make it to a live session? The workshops are recorded for you to watch at your leisure. TOI community members get exclusive access to all previous recordings and future sessions. To participate, join the Times of Israel community. There's a link to join on our homepage and every single page on the site. Enjoy! And we're back with Yoni Nuriel, a teacher at Hartman. All right, Yoni, how about you? You had entering seventh graders last year, so they were also switching to a new school, and you had to find a way to get them into into that mode and into this new place. So tell us a little bit about that for you. Switching to a new school and starting middle school and also having new friends and also being that age, also 12, 13 years old, is a very, very difficult time in one's life. And added on top of that was everything that Toba spoke about, the, the difficulties, the, the lack of social interaction, sitting in front of a screen all day. Majority of students do not thrive through Zoom education. So that was an added um, obstacle. It wasn't just an obstacle. It it created a lot of um, issues. Um, so I didn't. Ha- I don't have that. I don't have years of experience before COVID. So I didn't have that much to compare it to. But what I did see, and what a lot of other other teachers did speak about that we spoke about, was there are sort of like there's some basic learning and educational skills that students seventh grade lack that you'd expect them to have. So for example, let's say how to answer a question on a quiz or a test. So, or breaking down a question on a test or an assignment on a daf on whatever it is. So if, if you think that it's very, very simple, very basic for a seventh grader, really there's a hundred steps that they have to go through their mind and they have no idea how to approach it. Um, that's one thing. Also in terms of just the boundaries between them and the teachers, like writing to teachers on WhatsApp at certain, like late hours of the night, and you just don't do that. Uh, could be that before COVID, students did that also. I'm not sure. I don't know. Tova, uh, can you answer that? Tova is raising her, she's raising her eyebrows as, she, as Yoni just said that. So this happens a lot, you're saying. Absolutely. The boundaries between teachers and their students were broken. Now, the emotional side is I, I felt a hu- that I was blessed to be able to be there for students that were really having an extremely difficult time, that they were going through cri- a, a social emotional crisis. So the idea that I was receiving WhatsApps at 11 p.m., I didn't I, I, I saw that as absolutely misunderstanding and, and broken boundaries that might not ever be able to be fixed on the one hand. And on the other hand, I saw I saw students that are really dealing with a, with a very severe crisis in that they don't know what to do with themselves. They're alone. They're lonely. They feel helpless. And, um, and reaching out on a very personal level, which WhatsApp is a very personal... Um, Method of communication. Exactly. It's not, you know, talking through screen or email. It's very personal. I had students, you know, calling me and sending me voice messages and WhatsApping me. So yeah, absolutely. On the one hand, 
it's it's ridiculous, you know, and I have a lot of criticism towards that, that students feel that's also a message that they're receiving from their parents, you know, that this is okay and this is the reality. And I understand, uh, I absolutely understand why it happened. Um, but but I, I agree with Yoni, something here at, totally uh, shattered and we haven't really been able to get back to um, a clear understanding of what this teacher-student relationship boundaries are. There's also um, the teacher-parent relationship that um, became strained for many teachers. This happened to a lot of my colleagues. Happened a bit to me, not as much um, with other teachers, though, than other teachers, um, where parents also didn't know how to interact properly with teachers. Um, whether it's um, instead of saying I don't quite understand this, why why do why would you why did you say this in class? Could you please instead of that, there's a language of sort of blaming and attacking and like how could you say this? And whether it's calling on the phone or writing um, messages and not wording it properly, um, I think there's also that issue and partially understand it because parents were stuck at home with their jobs and with however amount of kids they had in their house and one or two computers at best and you know parents went crazy and like it's difficult it was really difficult uh you know time for for everyone for parent teachers and and students so i think there's there's also that realm that has to be uh that has to be corrected right so you've both brought me into my next question that i wanted to tackle before we get to the end of this podcast which is So, of course, there's this situation that we're dealing with as a nation right now, which is the threatened school strike on Thursday, which is September 1st, and it's supposed to be the first day of school for most schools. Um, It is the strike that comes, it is the threatened strike that comes about every single year. I really cannot remember a year as a parent that it has not been out there, and it it has to do with the Treasury, the Finance Ministry, um, fighting with the Teachers Union about more better salaries, better conditions for teachers. Now, you both teach at schools that, if I'm not mistaken, they are they are not they are definitely public schools, but they you are already preparing for school. In other words, are you guys both working this week, getting ready for the school year? Because I know some schools are not. Today, I am. Yeah, Yoni, you too. I have meetings this week on Tuesday, and Wednesday, and then we're supposed to start Thursday. Right. So I have heard about other schools where they are absolutely not allowed to even prepare this week or last week because of the threatened strike. And of course, who's going to argue with the idea that teachers should have better conditions and that the school, that the educational system in Israel needs to be revamped? Itova, you mentioned things just about coming back from COVID. That is almost a smaller issue compared to the very huge issues that are out there in the Israeli educational system. But what are some of your thoughts, each of you, about this, you know, about the fact that teachers need better conditions, that 32 or 31 or 27 kids in a classroom is a lot of kids in a classroom. And obviously, there's many other issues out there. There's just, you know, is there rot in the Israeli school system and does it need to change? Like almost everyone in the country agree with the values that Yafa Ben David and Shasha Biton they're the heads of the teacher unions, yeah. Like these people who are fighting for teacher salaries and conditions. I think most people agree with the values that they are fighting for. I am vehemently opposed to the way in which it's, it is uh, being executed. I, I, very anti-teacher strikes. I think it holds the parents hostages. It holds the, t- the students hostage. 
I think you're missing out on valuable days where you could be teaching. And I think it sends a really, really bad message to students. Um, so I, I really, really do not like strikes. I don't like the idea behind it. I think it's really professionally inappropriate um, and almost morally corrupt. Um, but whatever the school decides, I'll, I'll follow. <laughs> <laughs> that said, Tova, you want to jump in? Um, I love being a teacher. I think that the, the educational system in general, even when we look at on a global basis, absolutely needs revamping. Um, you know, we have, we live in a world with startups and, and amazing inventions, and we've come so far as, as, as humans <laughs> and, um, and education hasn't changed in so many years. And, I am a true believer in finding a problem, understanding the problem and fixing the problem. And it seems to be that we understand the problems that are going on in the educational system. They are clear to us. They are constantly spoken about and written about. And how, you know, we're, it, it's just it's the most recycled conversation that I've had in the past six years. And nothing is changing. Talk, 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 blah, blah, blah. Now, COVID really was 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 a bomb and and totally it came as a surprise to us all but it was an it was an absolute opportunity to look at what was going on and to rethink you know teaching strategies the idea that students can learn from home to a certain extent the idea that we can learn outside the idea that we don't need you know a building and four walls and a specific amount of students and that teachers can be flexible and students can be flexible. So we've got all the right things to work with, but no one is making a significant and meaningful change. I would love to be part of that change. I entered the, the, the Israeli school system with, with the hope, and I still hope, I'm, I, I'm very optimistic that I will be blessed to see and be part of changes, uh, significant changes to the Israeli school system. I really, really believe in that. And I hold the flag uh, way up high. I don't believe in strikes in general. I think that um, this is just another mirror to how Israeli society works. Very, very aggressive and unclear, very confusing. You know, teachers don't understand what's going on. Parents don't understand what's going on. And obviously students don't understand what's going on. Now we it's almost as if we've forgotten who um, we're all here for, and we're here. We're here to um, support and educate the next generation. Um, I don't think we're doing it properly these days. It's a shame, um, but I, I, I'm proud to be a teacher. I love being a teacher um, and an educator, um, and I really, I, 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 you know, I speak on a personal level to 100%. But I'm very. I try and stand optimistic. I hope that, you know, in the future, we're going to see significant and positive changes, um, more flexible hours. Yes, absolutely. Teachers need a better salary. Teachers teachers need to be paid, you know, according to how much they're working. And we're working a lot more than we're getting paid for. Makes total sense. Very, very clear problem here. It's not that complicated. But what I'm more excited about is to see if and when we as teachers, um, our principals, our schools can be more flexible in how we teach and how many students we teach and what kind of uh, curriculum we teach, becoming more independent and having our students become more independent. We need to be more independent. You know, there's so many tools that we can use. We're in the digital age. We're still teaching with paper books, you know, so many 
silly issues that need to be uh, um, addressed. Um, and I really, really hope that they will be. And I want to be part of that. I'm not, I'm not waiting for other people to do, to do the hard work. I'm happy to do it, to be part of that change, but uh, got to get the wheels rolling. Yeah, absolutely. So last question then, hopefully you will be in your classrooms on Thursday, on September 1st. And what are you hoping for, for this year, for yourself and for your students? What do you want? I mean, you want, of course, to teach and you want them to learn and you want it to be a positive experience. But when you look ahead to the year, what's one thing perhaps that stands out for you? I, I think I'd like my students to uh, identify with the material that we learn together and to find themselves within the texts, within the ideas, so that um, they can become, they can find themselves in their own, in their own journey. That's that's what I would like them to do. And seventh grade is hard because, especially after COVID, like they're just passively sort of, you know, by default at least, um, without a teacher sort of getting to this, they sort of just fall into like, you know, you have a math test, you have to do it, okay, I move on. And then I have this, I have, I have an assignment, but I want, I'd like my classroom to be something that's 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 living and breathing and people are growing and becoming themselves and a greater, a, a greater, um, greater sense of themselves and um, sort of actualizing themselves. And yeah, I could ramble on about this. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a good hope. It's a good hope. Tova, how about you? Um, I'm hoping to see students that are, uh, that are, I, I really believe in well-being. I want to see happy students and, and thriving students. Um, I think that that's the best foundation to, to, to any positive experience that will uh, provide a fruitful um, um, uh, results. Um, I, I, this is my first year in a long time only teaching English, so I'm very excited to delve in back into uh, my passion, which is uh, um, teaching, uh, you know, how to speak and how to read and how, and teaching a very, very important language, a very global language, a language that uh, receives more and more attention as the years go by. Um, and I hope that I really, what I, I really hope I, I, it's, it's something that I, I, I refuse to, to, to let go of. I hope to see changes that come from, from, from outside of my specific school and to implement them inside my school. I hope to see, you know, principals, bringing new changes and exciting new uh, perspectives. I hope to see uh, uh, political changes that affect us in positive ways. Um, I want to see us grow. You know, a good society is one that um, evolves and grows and sees what's needed and fixes problems. And I, and I want to see that happen. And I really believe in us. Uh, you know, the Jewish people have been through so much. Um, what's, uh, you know, what's... Uh, What's this issue? A pandemic, to yeah, other, other things, exactly. Right. What's a pandemic and an educational crisis compared to other <laughs> to other crises we've had in the in the past? And I I I want to see good things happen. I I really really hope to see that in 2022, 2023. All right, from your mouths to your classrooms and to the rest of us. Thank you so much, Yoni Nuriel and Tova Dagan, for being with us on the Times Will Tell. It has been a privilege to hear your thoughts on some of these very, very important issues. And uh, we wish you just a great year, a great school year. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. 
Thanks so much for listening to Times Will Tell from the Times of Israel. And thanks to our producer, Gilad Brownstein. Please subscribe wherever you find your podcast and check out our daily briefing news show every Sunday through Thursday. Like what you hear? Consider rating us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to spread the word. Until next week. Shalom. Shalom.